Well, we're not even going to wait. Just going to get Ron Campbell on up here. Y'all welcome Ron Campbell as he comes and brings us the message that the Lord has for Freedom Fellowship. Whoever else is here today, he's got a word for you. Good morning. Great day today. Is Wes? Where's Wes? Wes, Casey, where are they? Ah, there, come here. I just, uh, where's where's Wes? The Lord gave me a word for him this morning, so I'm going to give that quickly if you don't mind. I know you don't mind. Come on, Wes. You love this, don't you? You love being called out. (laughs) Hey, this place is called Freedom Fellowship, so we're free, okay? I mean, we're not baptized in pickle juice, okay? Right, we baptize in the Holy Spirit. So when you were standing next to me this morning, the Lord said, I have your place. And this is your place I'm getting for you, says the Lord. It's like there's been a spirit that has run alongside of you and always hemmed you in. Whenever you've stepped into something, there's been a hemming in and there's been a betrayal set up in every event of your life. So, Father, today I break the power of betrayal, and I break the setup now today in Jesus' name. For this is a new day, declares the Lord. This is the day where I'm establishing your own place, where your foot shall tread, says the Lord, that shall belong to you. So today, Father, I break all associations and all relationships with promises and words spoken where Wes and Casey have put their trust in the arm of flesh and trusted men by their word. Today, Lord, they will trust you only. For you, the author and the finisher of their faith, you, the one that's going to open the door for them to enter out of where they are into what you have for them. So, Father, today I just declare a breaking today of the poverty and the power of warfare that's come against them. In Jesus' name, I just release healing and opportunity. Every time you've stepped in, the enemy has come and stolen the birthright from you. So, today I break the power of that assignment against you both in Jesus' name, and I declare that this will be your year of abundance. Abundance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Is there someone here by the name Larry? No? Is there someone here's husband or son is named Larry? I just get the word of the Lord, Larry. Stand up. Is that your son or your husband? Your son. Does he live in this state? Okay, your son's running from the Lord. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to call him back. And Jesus sent the word. And we're going to call him back and we're going to ask God to break associations and relationships with those things that have taken him off the path. It's been a woman. We just break the power of that thing right now. Larry, in Jesus' name, we call you back into the purpose that you were born for. So, Father, today we just break every single umbilical association, every single umbilical tie with Larry's, whosoever this person is, and we call him back into freedom, Father, because he is yours. It was dedicated to you at birth, and today, Father, I thank you for the spirit of freedom to come upon him. Weed his friendship garden. Pull all the weeds out, Father, all the tears, and bring him back into the purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. And there was a Larry over here somewhere. Larry Jason, who's that, your son? Where is he? Is he in the state or not? Hmm? 
Oh, Jason Maguire? Oh, okay. Okay, I didn't know his first name was Larry. I've prophesied over him before a couple of times. Here's the battle for him. Spirit of pride has been warring against him. And the enemy has tried to push him out into another place rather than into his perfect call. It comes from the battle that he's been through in the past. There's been a wound created in him from the battle he's been through in the past. So I just speak to that wound today. And I speak, Father, the healer would touch that wound in his soul. And Lord, to break the power of the spirit of fear for doing the thing that you've called him to do. See, he's suffered ridicule. He's suffered rejection. He's suffered being despised. And there was some lies spoken about him. So, Father, did I break the power of that word of his life? And I declare, Father, today a free path for him to walk in the purpose you called him to in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit that you have. So, I wanted to share a story with you this morning, if I may. I, I, I had a specific message, and when I woke up this morning, the Lord really impressed on my heart to change and, and do this. Um, but first I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Whatever stands within the minds and the hearts and the souls of the saints in contradiction to your will and word today bows its knee. And I thank you today, Father, that your word will fulfill itself in the hearts and minds and lives of the people that are here because your word, Father, you watch over it to perform it. And I thank you today that it comes to life. We speak life to the words of the Lord in the hearts and souls of men and women out here today. Break the power of unbelief and break the power of doubt. And where hope's been deferred, Father, I thank you that today you breathe life into their bodies, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So just before Christmas, I was uh, watching some college football with a couple of friends of mine. And you know, you can really see the heart of people, especially me, when people are watching a football game. It's like stuff... Just, is it okay for me to share this with you? Stuff just comes out. And so while I was sitting there, I suddenly got this revelation. And the Lord wanted me to share this with you today because I believe if we're going into abundance, we have to understand the game plan and we have to understand the battle. We can declare abundance all you like, but if there's not a change in your mind, if there's not a renewing in your mind and the changing of the game plan, you won't receive the abundance. Okay? All right. So when, when we were sitting there, um, all these guys are dressed up in their colors for their colleges and that. And, and when their college started to lose, it became dark. <laughs> and I sat there, but I didn't have a dog in the game, so I didn't really worry which ones won or lost. It didn't really bother me because I wasn't my team. But even though these guys are dressed as these supporters... Within 10 minutes of them starting to lose score-wise, their, their demeanor changed, their spirit changed, and they went back to something that wasn't the kingdom. They reverted back into the carnal, natural, soulish things, and they started to speak stuff out of their mouth, which I know we all do at times, we get venomous. And I sat there, and the Lord said to me, This is the battle that we have today. We are becoming spectators. We in the body of Christ are spectators. We don't mind if people get up here and minister, but we're going to sit back and watch them. And what we're going to do in the process of watching, we're going to, we're going to critique them. So I asked these guys, hey, which of you guys have ever played football? None. <laughs> 
So if you've never played one down of football in the real world, you really don't have the, the ability to be a critique. And here's the joke, okay? There's so many people today that every one of us, the Bible says, we all have gifts and we all have a calling. Am I right? But none of us step into it, but we're very quick to critique others who step into it. Oh, man. He said a bad word. So that means he's out of the kingdom. I don't agree with what he says. I don't believe in prophets and apostles. They passed away. And so people critique everything that you do. I have a friend that's uh, gone through seminary. And he had to preach a message in front of all these doctors that were critiquing his message. And I didn't see Jesus critique anybody. The University of the Holy Spirit doesn't critique people. Critique is, the root word is criticize, critical. And so I was watching these friends of mine, and some of them are in the church, ministers and worshipers and so forth, and I listened to the critique, and I sat there and I felt convicted. And I said to the Lord, I know that's me. I was looking in a mirror at myself. And I said to the Lord, what do I have to do? He said, you have to repent for being carnal-minded. And you have to get out of that mindset and start becoming spirit-minded and spirit-led. So he gave me a scripture which I'd like to share with you if I can. I'm only just starting, by the way, so there's a couple of more things I want to share with you. It's in Revelation 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write this. Who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars? Say this, I know your deeds. That you have a name. Isn't it funny that the Bible says that uh, when we come to the kingdom, we get a new name. It's written on a white stone. Am I right? So we have a name. So these are obviously people that have been redeemed because they have a name. Okay, but there's something that took place here. I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Folks, how many of us today in the Spirit are alive because we've been given eternal life, but truthfully, we're dead. We don't function in the gifts. We don't function in the wisdom of God. We don't function in all the things, but we want the benefits of the kingdom, but we're not prepared to function in the kingdom. You know, we want the benefits. We want God to bless us and give us this stuff, but we're not prepared to do the things the kingdom requires. Pray. Read the Word. You know what I mean? Be sensitive to the things of the Spirit. Be sensitive to move the Spirit. Guard your heart. You know, when you go and start looking at the... Um, in Galatians, you start looking at the armor of God, and you start seeing that you have a breastplate. Why would you have a breastplate? It's so you can protect your heart from the wild enemy. If the enemy fires darts at you, and he normally uses sister bucket mouth or brother sandpaper to do it. And if you can find a place in your heart, then what he can do is he can affect your outcome. And that's why we have a breastplate in the armor of God. So protect it. Then you have something on your head called a helmet to protect your mind. There's specific things we have to participate with in the kingdom to be able to have the benefits of the kingdom. Now we can be spectators and be non-functional and probably still get to heaven. But just think about the possibilities of you stepping into your functionality. Instead of being a critique, instead of critiquing people, start being functional yourself. Because when you stand up here, it is a whole different story.
I mean, you are, it's just you and the Holy Spirit. And you're standing in front of the sea of faces. And you know that there are some in there that think that you are not worth anything. But that's okay, because I always know that I'm worth something to Him. I know that He paid a price for me, despite my background and my upbringing and everything, despite my badness. I know that there's intrinsically good that flows out of me. I have bad days. When I'm on the highway and somebody cuts me off, I have a bad day. Because I send an email out in the spirit of the morning, get out of my way, I'm getting somewhere. I do, I pray, I pray. I say, Father, you prepare the way before me today. Send angels before me to prepare the way. So I've prepared the way. So when I have people do things in the way, then I know exactly who's operating. It's the enemy. I'm not being funny. I'm not, I'm not talking about road rage. I'm talking about you have... When I left your last time, I think I drove, what time did I leave that night? Nine o'clock? They prayed for me to have a safe journey. And when I got to Bronte, about five miles out of Bronte, it's Bronte, people. B-R-O-N-T is Bront. E is A. Bronte. I just upgraded that city. And I have an investment in that city. But five miles out of that city, I'm driving, and suddenly there's a set of lights coming straight at me, and I'm thinking to myself, Am I dreaming? And I waited until the guy got about, I would say, 10 feet away from me. Then I moved out of the way. But he was driving right for me in my lane. And when I pulled out of the way and he drove by me, he was fast asleep. Now, I don't know what happened after that because I was free. <laughs> I felt like turning around and chasing him down. I thought, you know what, there's a couple of cops standing back at the gas station there. They'll, they'll deal with it. I don't even but that's what I'm saying. You can be a spectator in the kingdom. You have the gifts of God, you have the call of God. You see to the Christ in heavenly places, and you can be a spectator and you can critique everything that goes on. Well, I don't believe in the prophetic. Well, the Bible says repent and believe. I don't believe in healing. Well, repent and believe. So there's a remedy for all your unbelief. So here's what I'm saying. We can be spectators in the kingdom. We can stand and look at everything and say, wow, isn't that lovely? I cannot understand how people go to church on Sunday and don't have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and go home the same way they walk through the door. It is, and, and, and these churches are massive. And people throw their money in that like it's a, a lottery system. And I, I, I just shake my head, God, what is the problem here? It's because of what the scripture says here. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars say this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which are about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Listen, there's still a lot to do, folks. You've not been called into the kingdom to be a spectator or to just go to church on Sunday so you can tick your, your register and say, well, I was there. You've been called into the kingdom for a time such as this. Listen, our nation is in trouble. You can put your head in the sand like an ostrich, but I want to tell you, the Bible is very clear. A kingdom divided against itself will never stand. And you go back and look. You look at the Romans. You look at the Medes, the Persians, the Greeks. The minute division came into the kingdom, poof, down the drain. You look at the great British Empire. They said the sun never set on the British Empire. Look at it now. It's just an island. Here's what I'm saying to you folks. 
We need to pay attention and get out of the culture of the, of the world and start getting into the culture of the kingdom. Start reviving the things that have died. So that's just what I looked at when I saw this, this uh, uh, football game. I saw these people sit in the stands all dressed up like their teams. But when their team didn't good, do good, they just all... Phew, and they started to speak this horrible stuff. There's a second component to this. is when you start looking at the players themselves. The football players. Now the Bible says that to each one is given a gift. Now some of these football players, whether they play offense, defense, or special, they are really truly gifted athletes, right? Now none of you who came into the kingdom today came in because you are not gifted. Every one of you has a gift. It's your responsibility to start exercising and working that gift and training yourself in the things of God. Now we have a thing called the offense. And I believe today in the kingdom, we are the offense. We are the ones to offensively move in. And with the giftings we have, to take back that that belongs to our Father. I'm tired of the world owning the wealth. I'm tired of the world owning the technology. It is time for us to get the wisdom and revelation from God. To come up with medical healings and different miracles and different things. I consult during the weeks with, with companies that have tremendous technologies. And the problem is, they don't have the money to produce them. So you have to go to uh, venture capitalists, and they buy your, they give you the money, but what they're basically doing is they're they, they taking the gut out of it. They're taking all the money out of it. And you develop technology, and eventually they own it. You watch sharks, these shark tank guys. Kevin, what's his face? Mr. Beautiful? Mr. Wonderful. Sorry, Mr. Wonderful. That's what he is. He's just a straightforward thief. Now, the offense in a football team, they have some real talented players, and their thought is to get an opportunity to go down and score. And what I was thinking about, if you look at an offense, there's a couple of things that flow with the offense. Firstly, you have to have a game plan. Now, we know that the kingdom suffers violence, and the violent taketh by force. Am I right? Okay, but it also speaks about abundance in there. So what I'm saying to you is, as a church, to be offensive, and I'm not talking about being aggressive and violent. I'm using the concept and the analogy of football to speak to you about abundance. If you want to inherit abundance, you have to go out and you have to start sowing abundantly. You have to start putting something into the situation. You have to start sowing something in your heart, something towards, and, and even out of your mouth, the words you speak. Like so I, I was prophesying over a guy one day about what God was planning for him to do, and he said, well... I doubt that. So I stopped him. I pulled him back and said, By the way, you've just nullified the word of God by your unbelief and by your cynicism. So yes, the word, but you will never see it until you repent. Uh, and the pastor came and said, That's pretty cruel. I said, It's pretty right. So I'm not, a t I'm not a pastor. I'm a prophet. And I'll tell you it's straight. You don't like it? Take two aspirin. Call me in the morning. <laughs> I won't answer. Leave a voicemail. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. So we, we're supposed to have a game plan. We have it. The kingdom has given us a game plan. The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to lead you into all truth. We have truth. We have wisdom. We have understanding. Everywhere your foot shall tread, God has given you. Think about where you guys are walking. They can take prayer out of schools. That's okay. They can't take prayer out of you. They took prayer of the schools. God put it in the, air, in the airplanes and let it fly out of the country. Yeah? 
People are afraid to fly. Stand watch. I see them stand at the door of the airplane. Oh, Lord, please protect us. Yeah, because they, they're chicken. <laughs> so what I'm saying to you is we have to have a game plan. And that's what the prophetic brings to the church and the apostles bring to the church. The apostle has a blueprint of the game. And listen, if things go wrong in the midst of the game, the apostle and prophet can come in and make adjustments. And why? Because the thing is not about winning the Super Bowl. We're here to win a crown and to be with him forever. That's the prize. It's not about a little trophy. We're here to win a crown and to be with him forever. That's what I want. I don't know about you. So we have to have a game plan. How are we going to influence the city? Well, to do that, we need you to step up. Some of you guys are quarterbacks. Some of you guys know how to pitch the ball. Some of you guys are running backs. Some of you guys are wide receivers. You, you're good. You move fast. You speed. You're active. You need to start functioning in your gift. See, people out there are not interested in coming to the church because they've never encountered anything good in the church. See, religion's not going to set the captive free. Okay? When you watch a, a well-oiled offensive line, the guys stand, the guys move. It's all about timing and it's about knowing the plan. And the quarterback sees, and he sees what the move is, and he sees what the defense is doing, and what does he do? Pops the ball over and off they go. This is one of these people. It's the same thing. It's the game plan towards abundance is to bring in the lost. You know, there's people out there that have tremendous wealth. They despise the kingdom. Because they look at us like we, well, you need Jesus because you need a crutch. I just say, well, you need your money because you're stupid. And money can buy you anything. I meet with a lot of them. And they think that they own that money. But just in one day, the Reserve Bank can close down and that money is worth paper. They can use it in the toilet. So we have to have a game plan as an offensive entity. Now listen, there are also gifted people on the defense. Right? Now here's the thing about a defense. The defense is there to stop the offense. Now we know the kingdom of darkness's desire is to stop us. The enemy's desire is to rob, kill, and destroy. And there are components in the teams. You watch them as they play. There are components that actually become, as they're playing and they start to lose, they become against themselves. Then they join with the spectators, the armchair quarterbacks, the critiques. You watch them on the sidelines manifesting to the coach because you didn't throw me the ball. Right? You didn't catch the ball. Or, and listen, listen, folks, we need to understand that we have a lively enemy out there, but we have authority over him. We are hidden in Christ. We are seated with him in heavenly places above powers and principalities. I know using a football analogy may not mean anything to some people, but you need to understand we need to have a game plan to handle the enemy. People don't come into church because they just need a place to come to. People come to church because they need to experience the presence of the Lord. And let me tell you, they, are, they have opposition out there. There's a lot of people that aren't here this morning because they've had opposition come against them. They basically try to get here, but things happen. Maybe their car broke down. Maybe something happened in the family and they're not here. You have to understand, we're in a war. You just need to look in the nation. We're in a war. 
is righteousness versus whatever else it is. We're in a war. Now, I trained in the military, and I'm very astute as far as planning for military strategy is concerned. When I look at what's going on here, the only way we're going to turn this nation around is through prayer and intercession. The Bible says, you have not because you ask not. There was a man known in Britain during the Second World War. His name was Reese House. And God spoke to him, and he went to lay on a beach and prayed towards France, where Germany was planning to do Operation Sea Lion. They had all their boats lined up and all their people who were going to invade England. And he caused an ambushment against them. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed until God lifted the burden of him. And Hitler canceled Operation Sea Lion and went to Russia where he got defeated. Because why? Because this man had a plan. And what did he do? He sent the word of opposition against the enemy. Which immediately thought, and listen, it brought in a spirit of stupidity on the enemy. For Hitler to attack Russia in the winter, when Napoleon got defeated in winter, it's like, how could you be that stupid? Well, when God hands you over to your own delusion, you become stupid. I was praying for a guy one day for healing. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, I cannot heal him. And I thought, well, God, that's not in line with your word. He said, because he will go back to the same habits again and he won't be healed. And then he'll accuse me of not being a healer. And so I said this to the guy. And he said, well, that's kind of offensive. I said, I'm just being honest with you. You need to change the way you think. You need to ask God to renew your mind. Because the enemy, don't forget, we live in a culture that there are strongholds. You can just drive down I-20 towards Atlanta and stop at a Cracker Barrel every state, every town you go to and just look at the people. You can go up into the Appalachians and you can go and look at and there's some, you can see the stronghold on the people. I'm not being funny with you. <clears throat> you know, when you've got a guy coming to get your order and you don't know which eye to look at, so like this, you have to ask yourself the question <clears throat> and just about everybody is squint. And I'm wondering, God, why are these people squint? And then I realized, seeing they cannot see and hearing they cannot hear. There's been some stronghold that's impeded their vision and their hearing abilities. Why? Because we have an enemy that is opposing what we're doing. Are you guys okay? <clears throat> so I want to encourage you about abundance. Because I believe that God needs us to be able to prepare ourselves to receive the abundance. But you, if you don't have a game plan, how are you going to receive it? If you haven't made preparation, how are you going to receive it? And once you get the abundance, what are you going to do with it? <clears throat> I had a guy, when the 2008 bank crash took place, he had a house that he probably owed two and a half million on. He came to me and said, hey Ron, whew, man, I need to sell my house in a week. He said, I'm, 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 the bank's going to foreclose. They're going to take my business and everything. I'm really, please pray for me. He said, and when I sell my house, I'll give you 50000 <laughs> I said, well, you should actually write the check out first. Give it to me. So I prayed with him, his wife. Three days, he got a cash offer for $2.8 I'm still waiting with a $50,000 check. 
You know how many times I've experienced that? Because I'm sick and tired of spectators uh, using and misusing the body of Christ and critiquing the gifts and calling things about the gifts that aren't true. I'm tired of it. And they will not inherit abundance. They will have holes in their pockets. The moth will eat their stuff. Because the bottom line is, God wants to bless the righteous. So I know I use the football analogy, but I want to show you as to the battle that we're in. And I want to encourage you as people, listen man, engage, get involved. You know, I'm not talking about just getting involved with the church. I'm talking get involved with God. Get serious with Him. You know, last time we were up here, my wife and I had a house on the market for about a month, and I just got irritated one day, and I said, are we going to take it off the market? We took it off the market. I just got irritated that people come through my house. I felt like I was being invaded. <laughs> it's like, who are these people come through my house? It's like, I don't even know them. It's like, ugh. I took my house off the market. So when we were here last time, when I was here last time, we had communion in the morning, and the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, have you asked me for permission to sell your house? And then I thought, oh, God actually gave me that house. It was a gift from Him. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to merchant it here without asking permission to the real owner. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So I went home, my wife said, we need to repent because we try to illegitimately sell our property without God's permission. We need to ask the Lord if we can sell a house and ask the Lord to bring us a full offer buyer that will close in a specific time. Two days later, the real, now the house of the market, okay, it's not for sale. The realtor comes back and says, uh, I've got a full offer on your house. They're willing to close by this date. It's exactly the date we talked about. And it was a full offer. And it wasn't even on the market. It was off. Huh. What is that? That is an offensive game plan. You have not because you ask not. When Pastor Harold and them started this church, and they started off in another church down the road, and then they came to this place where they wanted to buy the building. There was a tussle. I don't even know what happened. I don't know most of the story. But there was a day when Pastor Harold asked, pray with us about getting this property because we're approaching this company and we want to offer them X amount to get this property. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and told me to tell them to walk away. Now that just doesn't make logical sense. Am I right? Are you guys okay? But when they walked away, God gave them the ability to get the property. Sometimes it's about timing. In football, it's about timing. In life, it's about timing. Years ago, I had a prophetic word for a young girl at the church I went in South Africa. And I went to the pastor and said, I have a prophetic word for this lady and her mom. And he said, not today. And I got kind of offended because I was the prophet, you know. <laughs> Three months later, he called me and said, you still got that word? Yes. He said, give it. And I called the young lady and the mom out and I said, you spoke to your mother today and you told her, mom, you do not, you do not know what's in my heart. And the mother started shaking. We spoke today. Now, had I given that word three months earlier, 
I would have been out of season. Okay? So when you look at any play in football, it's based on timing. The quarterback wants to throw a long ball down. It's based on timing. It's Everything's based on timing. You have to understand, God's not going to give you something out of His timing. It's all going to be on His time. It's for an appointed time. So you have to get into the kingdom to know the appointed time. <clears throat> Somebody called me a couple of days ago and said, Well, <clears throat> I want to get married. And I think I have the right guy. And I just don't know what I should do. Well, if you don't know what you should do, that's not the right guy. Because <laughs> you're getting ready to make a faux pas. How do you know God wants you to get married right now? How old are you? I'm 20. I don't think you should get married right now. I think you should go and get a life. But that's rather arrogant. How can you say that? Listen, a person's about to make a major faux pas. And they talk to me. It's my responsibility to God to give them the wisdom of the Lord. Whether they receive it or not, it's not my business. But here's what I'm saying. If you want to inherit abundance, you need to get in the plan. You need to start activating yourself in the giftings. You need to start working towards getting the kingdom within you. And secondly, you need to make sure you've got the right timing. You can't get something out of the right timing. God's not going to bless you with something and He's going to steal from you. Remember I had a friend in South Africa. There's this one area called Bishop's Court and it was, that's where Bishop Tutu lived. It was million dollar properties. He would drive around on Sunday and go and look at these houses that were on sale and he'd tell the realtor when she said, Do you, are you funded? She said, my father owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And so the realtors would walk them through the house as though they are a prospect for buying. And I said to him, why do you do that? He said, I'm just dreaming. I said, no, you're delusional. Because if you had to buy that house, you wouldn't be able to pay the taxes on it. They'll take it away in the first year. Get within your measure. You know, the Bible speaks about a measure of authority. You have to stay within your measure. You don't see me on the piano. That's not my measure. That's Mary Lou's measure. You don't see me up here singing. That's not my measure. You don't want to hear me sing. You don't see me doing anything else. I do what I do, and that's my measure. And I do it wherever I go. I stay within the plan. I don't go outside my plan. People say, well, you need to... When I came to America, a guy said to me, you know, when you get on TV, you need to put shoulder pads in your jacket to make more of an impact. And I said to him, are you stupid? What do you mean? Look, if I can't make an impact just by the anointing, putting shoulder pads in my jacket's not going to improve my ability. <clears throat> That's hocus pocus. Can you see what I'm saying? What have we done? We've become spectators. If we start knowing the Word of God and start walking in close relationship with Him, we start knowing, like the sons of Iscar, the timing of the Lord, the comings and goings of the Lord. It's just natural. You don't have to say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm begging God. You don't have to beg God. You're a son. You're not a foreigner. You're a son. You have to go to your father and ask him, Father, could you? Would you? You know, well, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bad person, God. I know you're not going to bless me. Then you just keep quiet. Because what you're doing is you're critiquing yourself. People, listen to me. You want to inherit abundance? You need to get a plan. You need to get a plan in your heart for how you're going to inherit the bank. What you're going to do to maintain it when God blesses you and pours out His blessing upon you. Manifest Himself on you.
Otherwise, you're going to throw an interception or you're going to fumble. When the Lord spoke to me about coming to America, there was a prophet that came to the church that we were going to. She was from New Zealand. And she came up to me and says, My, 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 my. What an impatient young man. Who, me? You are like a horse trained for battle. And God has you paddocked. And you're pawing at the ground. Say, come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Let's go. Come on, Lord. Let's go. And God says, I'm holding you back until you can learn to run with the team. Until you can learn to run like a horse trained in battle. When you do that, I will ride on you in power. And I thought, oh, probably tomorrow. (laughs) I think about 15 years after that word came, I was still pawing at the ground saying, come on, Lord, what's going on? Come on, Lord, what's going on? God said, you're just not ready. But you have to stay in the process. You can't abandon the process and think that you're going to inherit the kingdom. You have to stay engaged. You have to get there. You have to be real about it. It has to become your breath, your living being. Everything you eat has to be the kingdom. That's why the church is in trouble, because the church has lost its focus. It's gone away from the kingdom to some sort of a corporate organization setting. And they don't need the prophet. The guy said to me one day, he said, when do you bring the prophet and apostle in to build the church? I said, have you built a house? Yes. When did you bring the architect in? Well, long before I built the house. I said to him, so are you building a church? Yes. Have you brought the apostle and prophet in yet? No. Well, you're going to have to, the minute you bring them in and they start talking, the house has not been built on a true foundation. It's going to be dismantled. Why do you think people don't want to bring the prophetic in? Because they know. They know that things will be uncovered. They know that the plan of God will be revealed. And when that's revealed, everything that's not of God will fall. (laughs) And so I, I just, I marvel at the grace of God that He allows us to go ahead in our own strength and do something so we can see just how bad we are. But when the grace of the Lord comes, and when God's grace comes and does something for us, it's like astounding. You know what I mean? Because He loves us so. So what I want to say to you is this. Do you have a plan? If you don't, go home today and sit down and pray and ask God to give you a plan for your life. If you're in debt, if you're battling things, if you're looking for jobs, just get a plan, man. Just get a plan and sit down and submit your plan. Here's what the Lord said to me. When I came to America, I came from a very lucrative business. I was making millions a month to America where within six weeks I was living in my car. No money. Illegal immigrant. Yeah. And one day God said to me, I will meet your need according to your measure. And so I said, well, what's the measure? What do I need on a daily basis? And so I sat down and I wrote every day, every night we'd have our measure for the next day and pray and ask God to provide for our measure. And next day sometime there'll be a knock on the door and a box outside and there'll be everything in it that we prayed for. We don't know who brought it, even money. We don't know how it got there. It just came. It was like the ravens brought it in. And about six to eight months it continued like that until God said one day, it's getting ready to change. I want to send you to the widow of Zarephath. And the widow is the body of Christ. And then that stopped, the provision stopped, and I had to go 
and start ministering and start seeing God do miracles, signs and wonders and pour out on people and do the things that I was trained to do. That was the time. But God had to prove himself to me firstly as a provider. And he has not brought you thus far to abandon you, to leave you on your own. He didn't bring you out of the, out of the world into the kingdom to say, now figure it out. He gave you his Holy Spirit and he put him inside of you. And he says, I'm with you even until the very end. So no matter where you are, even though you go down into Sheol, he's still there with you. It doesn't care. He doesn't care where you are. You know, I laugh at people. Well, you know, you've got to wear a suit to church. Okay. What happens if I don't? Does that cast me out the kingdom? Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. What's important is your heart. What is your heart condition? You want to win in the kingdom of God? You have to have a right heart. Do you remember a guy named Keith Green? Create in me a pure heart. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. That's what the prayer is. Just create in me a clear heart. Let, let me be able to function, Lord, like you functioned. Guys, listen. This is not a game. This is war. Our nation is in trouble. And our church is in trouble. The church has come to agreement with the national spirit. Okay, we've excommunicated the fivefold ministry out of the church, and we've just made it a one-fold ministry. So the pastor's everything, with all due respect. It's not, that's not the way God designed. When Jesus rose from the dead, he gave gifts to all men, to each. And he gave the Holy Spirit as well with nine different gifts. So you can function in the gifts of the Spirit or your ministry gifts by the Spirit. It is so simple. If you want to understand it, get this book. I'm not being funny with it. There's a church, two churches in New Zealand are using this book as the prophetic guidelines to teach their people how to function in the Spirit in New Zealand. I'm happy. I don't make anything from it. I just want to get the stuff into people's hands. Why? Because there's something in there for you. I'm not a guy who normally writes books. I'm working on my next one now. Because I feel the Lord wants me to, uh, to teach the church how to understand being hidden in Christ. My next book will be called Deep Cover. So here's the fascinating thing. So many Christians are shouting at the devil. We're not Muslims. We don't go into the place and throw rocks at the devil. He's a defeated foe. We're in Christ. Our weapons of our warfare are mighty and strong to the pulling in our strongholds. We need to have an understanding of our weaponry. We don't need to shout at devil. We just need to claim our authority in what we are and who we are. That's why it's imperative to know your name. Not just your natural name that you were born with, but you have a spiritual name. Once you name it, but the Bible says in Revelation, there's a white stone that's with your name. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you in a dream or however. Because that normally tells you who you are. Then you stand up in that authority. Paul, I know, Timothy, I know, but who are you? When you, when you start going to places and demons recognize you, then you know you're walking in something. <laughs> Am I right? I had a lady the other day respond to me on Facebook, Ven venomous and violent, screaming at me and shouting at me in this post I posted about the hurricanes. And so she called me all kinds of names. And so I just wrote back to her, I said, and you are Jezebel. And she went away. <laughs> I mean, come on, seriously. Who comes against the prophets? 
You, it's not a rocket science, people. And you know, here's the, here's the thing. Revelation 19 verse 10 says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Whether you like it or not, if you have the testimony of Jesus Christ in you, you have the spirit of prophecy. So you can expect Jezebel to manifest. She's part of that critique group. I like it when people say horrible things about me because I know I'm doing the right thing. Oh, he's such a bad person. He says cuss words sometimes. You know what? It's not going to take me out of the kingdom. Why? It's because I love the Lord and God knows my heart. And some days, I'm just, I revert back, which I shouldn't do, but I do because I'm just human. I wish I was superhuman. But it doesn't, alter, it doesn't change who I am in Christ. Because I'm having to battle my faith one day, it does not change who I am in Jesus. And because I battle sometimes with doubt and unbelief, it doesn't change who I am. All I do is I call out to Him, Father, you need to help me. Because the Bible says He's near and close when you call out to Him. So I want to ask you, for those of you that want to become part of the, the offensive team for the Holy Spirit, and let the Holy Spirit start speaking to you and activate your gift and activate the authority inside of you, and get you out of the situation that you know, I want to ask you to stand. Let's make a commitment to the Lord today to be like an athlete, to train yourself in the things of God. The Bible says you need to train a child in the way it should go. You know, when people tell me, well, I'm only a baby Christian, I don't believe in being a baby Christian. I believe you can take that word and you can ingest it and you, within a space of a short period of time, you can become mature. When I first started ministering to the church, a guy said to me uh, at the church that I grew up in, he said, well, you're not ready yet. Well, who gave you the thermometer to know I'm ready or not? You know, I think the Spirit of God can come upon you at any time and you can be ready. But you have to get the word in you. You have to know him. Know the sound of his voice. So, Father, I just thank you. These are your people. These are your people, Father. I'm asking you as your vessel today for them to do something about revealing yourself to them and giving them a plan to inherit the kingdom and the abundance that you have for them. The purpose, the mission, the vision, the calling, the anointings, the abilities that you've given them that are intrinsic built into man. Father, because you made them fearful and wonderful in your image. I'm praying to God, Father, that you today pour out your spirit upon them. Let it flow out of them, Father, like water would flow from the innermost being. Right now, Father, I just thank you that you would touch every heart, every mind, every soul, every spirit that is here. And that you would fill them with joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. That you would baptize them with a fresh anointing. That you would give them ears to hear and eyes to see. That they would go back and recover that that's lost. Even like they came to the prophet, Lord, about the axe head that had fallen in the water. And when he threw the steel of the axe in, Lord, that what it did, it raised that solid head up that they could find it. Lord, let them find where they lost their gift so they can revive and revitalize and recommit 
and rewalk in the purpose and vision that you birthed them for from the beginning. Now, thank you for every man and woman today. I put a hedge of blood around every single person. I pray right now, Lord, that whatever words have been spoken will not fall to the ground or be stolen. Or there will be no retaliation or backlash or contradiction in any form or way. It will be sealed in the blood. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Ron. Maybe seated very quickly and uh